That went way too long. I'm going to kick the editor in the butt. Um, <laughs> and it's 4 p.m. on fr- or Thursday on Central Coast. Or, sorry, Central Time. Uh, this is Fred McMurray. This is the Pillars of Franchising. I'm with our co-host, Ray Pillar. Ray, I guess I'm kind of screwed up from the time change. I would definitely say so. Good afternoon, everyone. Thursday at 4 o'clock Central Time. No coasts involved here. <laughs> it's all sweaty August Chicago weather. Yeah, well, it's not sweaty today. I think it's really nice outside, except for the humidity's a little high. But other than that... <laughs> humidity's high, yes, it is. <laughs> well, we, we got hit with some thunder showers yesterday, so it was refreshing, refreshing. So, Ray, this is our... So, tell us where we are today. We are at Molly Maid. J.L. Moore's office and uh, in Rolling Meadows, in Rolling Meadows, Illinois, and we are live here. So, uh, welcome, J.L., to the show again. Thank you so much. Delightful to be here. It's always fun when we go live. And we are live, and we actually have one of our first ever guests on the line. Which would be whom, caller? Okay, she Michelle Rumpel. Yay! <laughs> and we also have another guest on the line heading back to Detroit, I believe, and that is Ron Silverstein. Hi, Fred and Ray. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Michelle. I'm good, thanks. So, folks. Oh, and another one of our favorite guests who's somewhere from what I hear in San Francisco right now, and that is... Hello, it's Kristen. How are you guys? <laughs> so, big show today for our six-month show. This is the ratings one, folks, which is why we've got all our best guests here. So this can all make it into our very soon-to-be-released media kit. Welcome to six months of Secrets of Success in Franchising, from Ray and Fred. Aren't you odd, Ray? He's, you're odd, aren't you? Or odd. just 
Well, yeah, there's that too. We're not sure if he's stunned in silence, but there. I am. Yeah, well, I know I'm odd, but that's that's the reason the show was semi-successful. Yes, I, I agree with you. And, you're, and you're the other part of that. Semi. Our oddness together does make people have a lot of fun. Yes. So we started this today, folks. Is this is our actual six-month anniversary of the show, and everyone's blowing our doors off, and we're going to keep growing. Um, so what I want to ask our guests, and we'll start with JL, uh, to start, what have you learned about franchising in the six in the last six months? Oh, thanks for putting me on the spot, Fred. <laughs> well, you're the first one here, so we're going to put you on fine. the spot. Well, I, I think um, what you learn is there's um, a lot of joys and sometimes a few headaches that comes out of franchising, but at the end of the day, if you're a great problem solver, it's all worth it. Okay. Michelle, what have you learned about franchising in the last six months? Ah, I've learned that um, there's a lot of great support for franchisees, but they also can use help from each other and from other, you know, other people. Fair enough. Ron, you deal with lots of franchisors. What have you learned? Uh you know, there's always something new going on every day, Fred, and franchising, and con- new concepts keep popping up, and we'll keep popping up, and, uh, you know, when I saw you today and we talked about franchising, it's, uh, I think I said it's uh, been a long bull market for franchising with, uh, and it's not looking like it's going to slow down anytime soon. I think it's still exploding. A lot of different concepts are having great success. Uh, adding new franchisees and uh, you know it's still going strong and it's going to keep going strong for the near future that's awesome Kristen you're on the spot now on the beautiful (laughs) California coast so we do have some coastal influence here today (laughs) yes yes it's a little uh, smoky from the fires up here but it's still beautiful so what have you learned so in the last learned, six months about franchising? Well, I think it's really important that when people are talking about buying a franchise that they find something that, A, they're not going to get bored with, and, B, something that they really see themselves doing long term. I think most franchises are not terribly different from opening a big ground-up business and that you don't necessarily make money in the first six months or maybe not even the first one to two years. Uh, You don't want to enter something and think that in five years you're going to be able to turn it around and sell it because that's just not how it works. And the other thing I think you need to do is make sure that you find a franchise that has, as Michelle said, excellent support and obviously something that complements your skill set and or certainly go out and find someone who can be a manager for you that complements some of your weaknesses so that you have the best of both worlds, so to speak, when you open your business. So... Now the question is, what did I learn in the last six months? I think that what I've learned is franchising is definitely the way to go if you're looking for a business, something, to, a business to be in. But what's happening and what I see a, a lot of people talking to a lot of potential franchise owners or people who are in franchising is they're not taking advantage of what the franchise has to offer. And to me, that's just a big waste because the franchise usually has a lot to offer you, and you need to definitely take advantage of it. 
I learned from all of you, so I've learned at least five things now from just this call. Okay. <laughs> I, I would like to throw a word out there. A okay. word? We had, I think, uh, last week a very interesting guest, Dr. Maria Malay. Yes. I think that this is going to be a wave of uh, the future, not only in franchising, but in, in the employee, employer-employee market. And that's uh, something that I used this term a long time ago, emotional intelligence. But I think it's going to be more towards the forefront uh, as time marches on. It becomes harder for employers to find employees. We must become much, much, much more emotionally intelligent, and that has become uh, and morph ourselves from managers to leaders. And I'd like some of our audience, including JL, to kind of comment on that. So, JL, your thoughts on how we use emotional intelligence to build better leaders and managers? I I think that the important thing that um, I've learned through the years of being in the marketplace is um, look at what a person can do versus what they cannot do. And I think that's a sign of a strong leader. So as you're building your team, understand what you need from a skill set for the various aspects of running your franchise and capitalize on what people can do. For example, in my office, I don't have a traditional office manager. What we've done is we've said, what are the major tasks we need to accomplish? And to say, okay, who lines up the best to manage that issue of the business, as opposed to just having one person over them? Because I've always disliked in the marketplace where you have an annual review and everybody tells you what you did wrong and they never spend any time telling you what you did right or what your great skill is. So I think part of uh, the success in my leadership style is looking at what people can do as opposed to what they can't do and then understanding that they need to have a level, a good manager has to have a level of tolerance to bring people up to at least an adequate level of the things they're a little bit weaker in. Okay. And, Michelle, before I ask you, let me stop for a word from our sponsor, and remind callers they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And now, Nick Neonakis. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And we're back. So, Michelle, you're now on the spot. Emotional intelligence, building better leaders and managers, or just slaying staplers at your partner's head? Is there a is that a question? Is there a question in there? I'm not. I don't understand. 
your thoughts on yeah. you, comments. Uh, comments on how emotional intelligence um, can be used to build a better manager or better leadership person. Well, I think yeah, I think it. <laughs> I think it's important for people to understand how um, they can best motivate their employees, and also um, how they can best figure out, you know, which employees uh, are going to have the best strengths in a certain area, and and really reward them or motivate them to use those skills for the betterment of the whole company. Um, you know, and it it doesn't hurt, of course, for leaders to um, get in touch with um, how they handle certain situations and handle employees, and reflect on that and make sure that um, <laughs> that they aren't throwing staplers at people's heads. Yeah, absolutely. It's not good for the stapler. Yeah, but my head's <laughs> thick. My head's thick. Run. What's your thoughts? My thoughts, Fred, are that, uh, and I think it was Ray earlier who said that uh, a lot of franchisees or business owners aren't taking advantage of what their franchise can offer them. Uh, I think this is a perfect area where the franchisee should not be trying to do this on their own. I think many franchisees, uh, with their prior work experience and background probably aren't capable of uh, doing it on their own. So this is what you go to your franchisor for because they should already, they should already ha- have programs uh, on what employees should do, on what kind of employees you should be hiring, on how you train them, on how you motivate them because they've done it before. If, uh, you know, if you're with an established franchisor that has uh, a lot of units out there, they already know how to do this. They've already done it. They've already failed at it at times or learned from it, and they're the ones to go to, I think, uh, at least initially uh, for assistance on who to hire, how to train them, how to motivate them, what kind of programs. They may have information for different geographic areas because it's definitely people in different parts of the country are motivated differently. Uh, people in different kind of businesses and different kind of franchise concepts are motivated differently. Uh, you know, and you go to the that's what you're paying your franchise or the royalties for on an ongoing basis is uh, their expertise and helping you be successful because they want you to be successful. I think this is one place that franchisors need to excel in a little bit more, especially in today's market. They need to uh, get uh, more information out to their franchisees about this uh, problem uh, of, you know, not treating employees correctly and a little bit more information about leadership uh, instead of uh, managing. And I think this is one of the places that the franchisor uh, can really help the franchisee. So, Kristen, as somebody who's... Um, I think that's such a great point, Ray. The, the last couple it, of... Um, 
I'm sorry, what? I said run with the answer, please. <laughs> I think that reads um, really on to something because in the last couple of businesses that we purchased, um, I don't know that it, well, there are two things I, I think I could say safely that happened. One is that they didn't use the franchisor to their fullest when looking at how to identify uh, talent, and that would be within themselves and, and their family members that might have been involved in the business. And the other thing I think that um, they really could have used, not everybody who wants to go into business for themselves has had HR experience, has had sales experience. And so sometimes it really is a matter of um, talking with a broker and saying, here's what my past background is, here are the things I enjoy, this is the lifestyle I'm looking for, and let them guide you to the franchise that fits what it is you're looking for. I am not somebody who would want to have a restaurant franchise because at this point in my life, I want time with my kids. So so a restaurant franchise wouldn't fit. But if I didn't recognize that, I might get sold a franchise that requires more of a 24-7 focus or uh, number of hours. So I think that that's a really important thing for people. Not all franchises fit every person. There are very specific niches that uh, fit with with a specific uh, skill sets, and some franchisors are better at supporting their franchisees. And I apologize if you're laughing in the background. It's actually the sea lions, not the people around you. So what you're saying is, is you're helping our improve our sea lion audience? <laughs> yes. They are on Tier 39 barking and wrestling away in front of me. Fair enough. So I'm going to... I'm gonna, Based on all this question, especially with Kristen's last answer, I'm going to turn the tables and say, um, for our franchisees here, if you hadn't bought the franchise you bought, what would have been your second choice? And for those people who aren't franchisee owners on the call, if you were going to buy a franchise, what would you buy? Ray. Well, I think any other choice would have been wrong. <laughs> I get that, but let's say, for the sake of argument, what would have been your second th- choice? Uh, ideally or logically? I mean, ideally, ideally, it, it would have been something uh, similar to this. Uh, logically, I probably would have picked something technical, either uh, like know. a Kicks Mobile from Lonnie Helgerson. Yes. Yes. I could see you as a Kicks Mobile uh, franchisee. I could. Yeah, that would yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know if I would have been a, as successful in that as I am, you know, with uh, with the Molly Maid franchise. I think it's uh, it's brought an opportunity. It, it, it may sound strange to some people, but I actually do a lot of things that I really like in my business. And, I've, I've <laughs> you know, it's... It, I like to fix things, so I'm always fixing cars and vacuum cleaners and, and going out to clients' homes and fixing things that you know accidentally get broken in their home. So, And I think JL does the same thing. She likes doing that. <laughs> Correct. I, I do take the leadership role on a lot yeah. of the re- in-home repairs if there's an issue that goes on. Right. Um, you know, because I am so handy, which is a little less common for mm-hmm. females, is you know, I would, probably would have done a California closet thing. Mm-hmm. My, oh, yeah. my organizational yeah. skills are exceptionally good, and I can easily see how to fit things together where I know a lot of mm-hmm. people cannot. Um, when I used to go camping a lot, I would pack everybody's trunk because nobody could get as much stuff into the trunk <laughs> as I could. 
So I know I have that skill set. So like a California closet would have lined itself up with my skill set. But that would have probably meant a lot more hands-on work for me mm-hmm. and wouldn't have given me as much free time exactly. to be able to help manage issues as I, as I cared for my mom the last 17 years. So there's pluses and minuses. You just got to look at what do you need and what fits into where your personal life challenges are at the time. Well, agreed. That's, that's a, a great thing. Michelle, we'll put you on the spot for as the first non-franchise owner. What franchise would you buy? I don't know. I don't know the name of it, but I think I would buy a car wash. Um, there's a. I saw a franchise when I was in the Midwest um, a couple months ago, um, and it was it was amazing. And I I could just see you know opening up one of those. Um, it's a, a beautiful car wash. If if such a thing can be beautiful, it was beautiful. <laughs> but in California, they don't like to. Never mind. Water, water, water. Um, Ron, what would you buy? Yeah, there's uh, a few different franchises out there that I like right now, Fred. One is uh, a sandwich franchise that's based in Las Vegas called Capriati's. And uh, I've eaten at them many times. We always made it a, a, a stop when we were out in Las Vegas working at clients to make sure we had lunch one day at Capriati's. We're always busy. Their sandwiches are good. Uh, prices are, are good. I like the people in charge of that organization, and they've experienced great expansion the last few years. I also like uh, entertainment franchises where your customers are there having fun and leaving happy, uh, as well as uh, pet franchises, I think, right now are uh, pretty big and between you know pet daycare doggy daycare uh, boarding pets things like that I think people uh, will spend money on pets Uh, they travel a lot you've got a lot of dual income families where they're dropping their pets off for the day at a pet care place and uh, I'd be interested in one of those also if I were a chain of them if I was buying a franchise right now. Awesome. All right. Kristen, you got a second uh, because we want to hit another sponsor. want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show and remind callers that they can, or listeners, they can call in at 323-580-5755. And now a word from the Promo Sharecast Network. Promosharecast.com. I've always been a leader, and I've always been pretty creative. It all starts with with character. <laughs> because I success is a result of steady. The roller coaster just took a deep dive. Yeah. It's a genius idea, right? <laughs> Health, wealth, and spirituality. Jamie's not so good. Great, great. I'm Antonio Holman, and if you want to be more successful, check out my podcast, The Four Principles of Success, at the4pos.com, part of the Success Media Network. All right, Kristen, you're on. What would what would be your second choice? Well, so this was uh, kind of a, a silly thing, but I was with uh, the pet franchise thought process long ago before anybody else ever seemed to do it. And as soon as I gave up on that idea, all of a sudden everybody did it. So 
Um, I was always a day late and a dollar short and think of something and let it go and then it explodes. So that would have been one of the things. I do like kids, so for me, opening like a Goddard school or small school thing would have been fine. Um, and I'm also extremely handy working in home improvement for 15 years, so even a Mr. Handyman, which is a sister brand of Molly Maid, um, probably would have been a great franchise opportunity for me, um, even though I wouldn't be doing the work. Um, certainly, I could probably talk to most of the work that our clients would need to have made, or done, rather, sorry. Interesting. Interesting topic. So for me, I will end up buying a UPS store. I already know which one. Oh. <laughs> they were past guests. Hey, what's your name? Thinking about an existing business? An existing business, then, Fred? Yeah, when they're ready to sell, I'm going to. That's a whole other topic of buying existing business or starting a new franchise, right? That's a whole other topic to talk about at some point. Oh, yeah, and, and there are those, some of them on this call that have been telling me um, we need to franchise media buying, but that's another discussion also. I was just going to ask you the question. If you were going to start a franchise, be a franchisor, what would that be, Fred? Well, obviously, what um, for me, it would be franchising Mediavine. And um, I can honestly say I've been contemplating it. And with working with a bunch of the great guests that we've had on the show, um, <clears throat> what, I, what I'm finding is, and everyone can tell me if I'm wrong, that if you're going to franchise a business, uh, obviously being able to show revenue, um, as the revenue is important. But the, one of the biggest things is making sure you have <clears throat> processes and procedures in place that help your franchisee, in our case, do marketing and be successful at it. So in my head where we're in, especially as we grow, um, it's about making sure all those uh, these processes and the intellectual property, so to speak, is all in the right place. Luckily... I know a bunch of franchisees who are more than happy to tell me when I got it wrong <laughs> and are actually pretty good at telling us when we got it right. Yeah. Well, that, that's, you know, that's, that's a good point because you need to just do the same thing with uh, if you have employee, employees, okay, because you need to really recognize and reward an employee's strength. And I know this is going back to what uh, Kristen said earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it is important because a lot of people don't do that. And I'm probably very guilty of that. Uh, and that's why I have good managers. <laughs> <laughs> so you suck at it, but you've got good managers who do exactly it. Exactly right. See, another yeah. secret of success there, folks. <laughs> and in reality, even though I've got, you know, uh, 40, 48 employees, all I have to really recognize is the managers and they're the ones who then recognize the rest of the staff. Jail, what do you got to say to Ray about that? Be blunt. Hit him, hit him with the flight swatter. No, no. I, I think um, truly having uh, great internal support in your office is critical, particularly for our, our business, because you're not only dealing with customers, but you're dealing with a significant number of employees. So you constantly need to be juggling um, both 
types of people to, to be successful. And then you've got to also have the skill set to run the business. I mean, with all the other administrative requirements that exist. So you really have to be able to multitask and to have an adequate depth of knowledge in a lot of areas to to really be successful. And I think I think Ray and other Molly maids are very blessed to have a good internal structure to support them. Michelle, thoughts? Or we lost Michelle. Oh, we lost Michelle. Yeah. You're just putting her on the spot today, aren't you? You're just being cruel. I'm putting everybody on the spot. Isn't that part of my job? <laughs> so, Ron, your thoughts, since it appears we lost Michelle, which she did warn me about. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, when we're talking about skill sets and things like that, I think a lot of that goes back to things the franchisor can help with. And, uh the question, so are we still on the, what kind of franchise would you start right now if you were starting one? Yes, that's pretty much the question. That's where that's, they that's started. The that's okay. Right yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so we had, we had talked earlier, Fred, so, uh, when we, when we met today is that, uh, I actually started one a couple of weeks ago, formed a new company. We're in the process now of, uh, trademarking logos and names and stuff like that and it's uh, in a relatively new industry that uh, without giving too much away because we're trying to keep things uh, very quiet right now uh, so that we can be one of the first ones in but it's in a an industry that's starting to boom in certain states and uh, still faces some federal issues, such as not being legal federally, uh, but legal in a lot of states. And uh, we've met with attorneys that operate in that industry as well as in franchising that don't see uh, or that see it as a concept that is able to be franchised and uh, regardless of it being illegal federally. And obviously in the FDD, you'll have disclosures and disclaimers about the risks involved. But, uh, you know, with, without giving away what, what industry it's in, uh, it's in an industry that's going to explode, that we, we believe it's going to explode and uh, uh, be incredibly popular uh, in a variety of states. So what, it, it sounds like a lot of smoke to me. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the and that's probably, uh, it's part, part, part smoke, part not smoke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody who hasn't figured that one out, yeah. So, Kristen... <laughs> You know, I've kind of lost track of where we are now. Perhaps you well, could repeat the actual question. I got caught up in this last discussion here. Especially in San Francisco there, yes. I, I, I was going to say, you know, considering where I am and all. Yeah. So I know we were um, talking about skill sets and so on and so forth, and I, you know, obviously I commented on that before, and, um, I do agree that the franchisor should be giving you all the information that they can, but I, I really feel strongly in that there are just some franchises that just don't fit 
certain personalities, skill sets, if you're going to be an operating owner versus, you know, somebody who invests. I know a guy who invested in like 10 different great clips. Now, he doesn't know the first thing about hair or people, really, but he knows numbers. And so he has managers that run those shops and he collects the money and does the finances and he's fine. But I think it depends kind of going back to what is your level of involvement in the business going to be and what lifestyle are you looking for? Um, because everybody's different and each franchise is different. All right. So on the next question, if you were going to start a franchise, in other words, start a, you would become, instead of Kristen Super Franchisee, but you're going to become Kristen Super Franchisor, what would that franchise be that you would start? Well, what it would have been was a self-serve dog wash, only because of my love for dogs. And um, at the time, we lived in the city. And I think most people who live in an environment such as an urban setting and you live in an apartment building and you just have to have a dog, uh, nobody really wants to dig dog hair out of your tub drain. Nobody wants to break their back over a bathtub trying to wash the dog. And then the dog shakes and rolls all over your carpet in the house. And so my thought back then, anyway was to open a self-serve dog wash where you could do the grooming and then you could also have these tubs that people could go and wash themselves, wash their dogs themselves and dry them and such. You can have a retail shop on the side, all these great ideas, and then somebody else already did it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, would you partner that with like a dog walking franchise? Oh, I think you could do all kinds of things like that. Absolutely, dog walking, pet sitting, I mean, really, there's a couple places in our area in Chicago that um, I think if they were to kind of blend their resources, um, they would really have an ultimate service for dogs. It's kind of like looking at what's up and coming, right? We know the boomers are all at a point where they all want, need, and most can afford housekeeping. So that's a good industry, in my opinion, to be in. Well, now, you know, pets is a huge thing for people. And as you said, most of them having uh, a little bit of extra income means that they can afford and will do something to take care of their best friends. I was in Madison last week, and uh, a gentleman told me, did, did you know that 90%, and I don't know how true this is, so he can't really quote me, but 90% of everybody over the age of 25 has a college degree. So he felt that Molly Maid would be a great franchise up in Madison. And uh, so I think it's you know kind of knowing what's up and coming, knowing your area, understanding you know, your skill sets, having a franchisor that works with you. Um, having a great idea is one thing, but you know, everything has to come together to make, you know, maybe just my messy Marvin's dog wash, you know, might sound like a great idea, but I might not make any money doing it. So you have to have a proof of concept and make sure that it makes sense not only from an emotional perspective, but from a financial one as well. So did you contemplate having a mobile dog washer? You know, we did, but I just couldn't, you know, I watched, uh, I guess it's Dumb and Dumber that had the uh, the dog mobile, um, and once I saw that, I couldn't quite get that image out of my head, and I just can't see myself driving around in a, in a mobile shaggy dog. Um, now, they have them in Chicago. I've seen them. I think they're great ideas, but I don't know how successful they are. Ron, any comments about mobile dog washing franchises? Well, a friend of mine back in uh, the Detroit area, his daughter has a chain of dog washing places. 
but it's not mobile. So you bring your pet there. You can either wash your pet yourself or they wash it. I think most of them, most people uh, drop their pets off and have the, the employees of this business uh, do the dog washing. They can also do grooming. They tried uh, pet walking. Uh, and it didn't work out, so now they farm that out and get uh, referral fees. Uh, you know, because part of what we're running into, part of what they're running into, part of what many businesses are running into is a, a shortage of qualified employees. So it's very difficult to keep expanding the services that you offer to your customers in many businesses when you have trouble getting employees or have the uncertainty about what the minimum wage is going to be. There, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's just an employee shortage, I think, nationwide right now for the lower-paying jobs that, and even for, uh, for, for skilled trades, for a lot of stuff, where people, no matter how good the idea is or how good the business is, uh, can't get enough people. To work, and I don't know, Ray, if you're having that problem with Molly maids uh, and trouble finding people, but uh, you know, nationally, it's a big problem with all kinds of businesses where uh, it's just difficult finding the employees. Okay, so that's a great question, and we're going to come back to that. We want to take our last break and remind call, uh, listeners they can call in at three two three five eight zero five seven five five. Thanks to Link Local Network, and our last commercial break. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google Ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow. And we're back. Ray, you were going to ask Ron? Well, uh, Ron was asking me a question uh, about if I'm having problems with employees and uh, currently I am not, but I know that most other franchises are and that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to start the show with the topic about uh, uh, leadership versus managers and uh, emotional intelligence and the, the whole idea is to treat the employees correctly and uh, so that they'll want to stay with you and uh, currently I'm, I'm blessed with a, a great group of people who have been with me for a very long time and when we do need new, new employees we just simply ask the crew if they know anybody. But this this is very important in this day and age. And, and like I say, this is the reason I wanted to kind of lead off the show with that, because I believe it's going to become more and more of a problem as unemployment begins to shrink to, uh, you know, uh, next to nothing. Jail? I know I could, um, my business would have grown more in the past three years if I had had more staff. So I have had to turn business down. So I have had a, uh, a little bit of a problem with staffing issues. So I think what Ray is saying is very true. I think he's very blessed that he currently 
you know, has, does not have any issues, but I think more of the Mali mates, certainly the ones that are contiguous to my territory, do have uh, a few more issues with needing more staff. Kristen, what about you? So I didn't have an issue until we bought another franchise. And um, in the transition, um, obviously, we needed a lot more employees very quickly. And uh, unfortunately, it's a lot harder to find multiple employees at one time than just finding, you know, one or two. And so it is a slow process. Everywhere you go, you see down hiring signs, anything from a fast food joint to a factory. And again, you know, looking for the the level of employee that we're looking for, we compete with all of those places. And some of those places have different benefits packages. Some of them are bigger businesses that, um, you know, can afford to be different things. So I think it's important for a small business to really, you know, get together and figure out what what does it take to attract uh, employees at this point in time. Okay, so now I'll ask the question, take us back down into the into the twilight zone like I did last week on this, and what impact, because we've been talking about the um, increasing shortage of, of workers, what impact will artificial intelligence have on the workforce? That is a whole nother subject. You got 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know if you've been reading what Google is doing now. Yes, I have. Oh. Remember, I'm the guy who tells you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just to just quickly broach that, apparently they're developing, developing AI software that is going to allow you to walk into a store, pick up what you need, and just simply walk out. In other words, everything is going to be automatically charged to your account. And who does that leave out? Amazon. <laughs> And who, no, well, besides Amazon, I mean, it's all those checkout people. Yeah. And, and, and you already see that at some stores. Uh, I walked into a, a Walmart yesterday to pick up a few items, and uh, I'd say about one-fourth of the lanes were out, you know, self-checkout. So already we're eliminating that, that employee who would normally be sitting there ringing up your sales. JL, any thoughts? I think it's a wave of the future. I think uh, robotics or whatever you want to call it is uh, finally found a more permanent place in the marketplace. And um, exactly how we would equate that to house cleaning in our industry is a little more challenging, but I, I don't think we should rule anything out. Um, well, the nice thing about our industry is that you still have to put that brush into the toilet bowl. Exactly. There's no, no way of automating that. But how what, what happens... What happens, you know, before and after is definitely being automated, as as we are well aware. We're, we're in the process of getting new software for, uh, that helps us run our business. But yeah, the, the, there's no way of automating that, which is a, probably a good thing. <laughs> Ron, any thoughts? Yeah, I th- well, I think that the job creation is going to be more on the. Uh, you know the software side, the product side, things like that. Not uh, not so much the order taking side. Uh, you're seeing in a lot of fast food restaurants now that uh, they're going to iPads or they're going to online ordering. So you just order it online and pick it up. And you know some of it's going to change to online ordering, and they deliver it. A lot of restaurants now are adding delivery. Uh, restaurants that have stayed away from delivery in the past uh, are starting to add it. And, uh, 
you know, a lot of the technology is going to replace the hourly worker, unfortunately, uh, and software developers and engineers are going to become more important. Uh, AI is probably going to replace a lot of customer service departments where you're not talking anymore to a live person. In in India, you're talking to somebody uh, on the cloud, you know, a computer-animated AI person, technical person that based on what you're asking and where you're located is able to answer your questions like a Siri or Alexa type person. You ask a question, you get an answer right away from that per- from that uh, system. And uh, that's where we're moving and it helps companies uh, de- decrease costs and increase profits, but it's at the expense of, uh, you know, the hourly worker. Kristen, you got about 15 seconds. Okay, so I am one of the uh, ones that adapted and bought my uh, Rodney the Robot vacuum cleaner. And I love him, but, you know, as a robot, he still has some issues in where he goes and when. I personally think that because we're in someone's home and it's such a private place, I think we're more in a relationship business, and I don't know that those relationships can be replaced by AI. I, or, yeah, I think that... Um, there are certain tasks, like uh, somebody else had referenced, that could be done, but I don't think that we'll see in this business any immediate threat uh, to artificial intelligence taking over the cleaning business. All right, so I'll leave this last thoughts, and I'll say, if we all go to AI, who's going to have anything to buy? And that is the end of this episode of Pillars of Franchising. Tune in next week for more Profitable, interesting, and sometimes weird discussion. Have a great week. Bye now.